Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 110, 110, I don't know what that is in binary, but anyway, I'll figure it out later. Uh, Today, we're talking video games, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And you are joining us for our Summer of Games Roundtable episode. So when we do our video game episodes, uh, as we do, I think uh, hopefully you know the drill by now, uh, we cast our net wide into the gaming industry and whoever is not fast enough to escape ends up on the show. So uh, lucky or unlucky, depending on uh, how you take that analogy. Guests today, we have Twitch streamer and content creator, Billy Tricks. Billy, welcome. Hello, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Cool, yeah, thank you for joining us. And uh, alongside uh, Billy in this uh, in this net, I'm going I'm going in on this analogy. We have Twitch ambassador and content producer Mia Bites. So Mia, welcome. Hello there. Well, I am a Pisces, so it makes perfect sense that I would be caught in a net. There we go. That that's why you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. It's going to be fun. And last but definitely not least, we have game and narrative designer uh, and ensemble member brendan gibbons brendan welcome hi thanks for having me i was gonna say welcome back because we're trying to work out brendan hasn't been on the podcast before but we have spoken before so we've had a previous yeah, we uh we I, I quickly double checked and basically um we were at an egx panel together there yeah we were talking narrative design yeah story there we go yeah we're gonna we'll put that link in the show notes for people to Uh, to check out Um, and here we're going to be talking more video games so we are going to be talking about all the stuff well uh, some of the stuff that's been happening over the summer um, with regard to video games and before we get into that you can subscribe to story x story on apple Podcasts, on spotify pretty much wherever you get your podcast from you can always send us feedback and your questions to feedback at myamada.com or throw them at us on social media we are at myamada on twitter at My Matter TV on Instagram and TikTok, uh, or at Tazzy on all the above. Uh, you can also join our Studio 77 Discord to be part of the My Matter universe uh, and meet others in the community. And you can consider becoming a Studio 77 member to support the work that we do at My Matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork as well. So, speaking of events and artwork, let's start with what's been happening in the My Matter universe. A quick bit of housekeeping. Uh, This is the last episode before we go on our mid-season break. So when we do our episodes, we record up until the end of June. We don't record episodes over July, and then we return in August and uh, go again for the rest of the year. Um, So there'll be no new episodes, but we'll have some rewind episodes from previous live streams and things like that. Uh, so you can look out for that in your feed. We do actually have a, not a podcast, we're doing a live stream in July. So that is the one new recording we'll be doing. On Saturday the 16th of July, we will have a live stream mid-season special with different segments covering um, Maya projects, gaming, cosplay uh, as well. And we'll be talking with different guests across different segments. So you can join us on Saturday, the 16th of July from 3 p.m. 
BST for that. So uh, check out our socials. We'll be updating uh, once we've got lineups confirmed uh, and all of that. And then, yeah, we'll be recording again in August. So you'll still have rewind episodes in your feed and then we'll be back again later in the summer. And we have also, speaking of live streams, started a new series, Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. Uh, so in along similar lines of the podcast, we'll be taking a break uh, with that and then uh, going again later in summer. But you can check out the highlights on our YouTube channel from past conversations. So we'll be working on putting up different sections of uh, past live stream conversations so you can check out some of the topics discussed and some of the people that I've been having conversation with. So this is a monthly conversation with different comic creators with the aim of highlighting the human behind the art. So we'll be talking about the craft of comic storytelling, whether it's with artists, writers, and just a bit about the person uh, as well. Over the summer, we're also going to be working on a new Kickstarter campaign, which will be featuring Tazzy's character. So this will be part of what will be an ongoing series called Myamada Origins, where we take the real-life Myamada team members who have uh, now been turned into anthropomorphic characters in the Myamada universe and create short backstories uh, for them just to introduce or showcase how they got into the Myamada universe. So it's all very meta. Uh, yeah, Tazzy is our first experiment for this new series. Uh, we've got a story in the works and a Kickstarter in the works as well. So stay tuned for that. We have, well, we're right at the end of June, but we do have our games night. So we're going to be playing Fall Guys on Wednesday, the 29th of June. So by the time you listen to this, we would have already done it. Go to our Twitch, check out the VOD. Um, so we'll be playing with Studio 77 members. And again, it's a game that I have yet to play. Uh, I somehow managed to miss out the massive hype that was uh, Four Guys when it when it came out. I have a talent for missing out on hype, apparently. I'm late, basically. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. So we'll be playing Four Guys with Studio 77 members. And you can watch along on Twitch, VOD. But you can also follow us on Twitch so you can catch future games nights live so we usually do the end of the month on thursdays but for the next couple of months we're doing uh wednesdays because of scheduling and you can also check out past games night highlights where we've played things like roblox and fortnite rocket league and more we're putting those up on our youtube channel and we have events to go to over july so while we have our mid-season break we will be physically out and about we've got a few events coming up so on sunday july the 10th we have the south london comic and zine fair where i will be exhibiting for the day at this fair with our manga so i'll have all our manga including series through the fog and we'll also be doing a one hour yonkoma workshop learning how to create a one-page story broken into four panels with the Yonkoma style. So you can catch us there. We'll drop the link to tickets. Well, it's a free event, so just comment down. But uh, we'll drop the link to information about the event there. Then one week later on Sunday, the 17th of July, I'll be at Mega City Comics, which is uh, a new event. We're doing it in collaboration with the team there, and it's designed to celebrate and introduce people to the world of Japanese comics. So that's this means there'll be plenty of first volume manga titles to get people started. So if you're into manga, come on down. If you're 
if you've heard of manga and not quite sure want an easy way in this will be a great place so both english and japanese titles i will be there i will also be doing a q a after the store has closed the event is free but you can also get a ticket type where uh, for 10 pounds you'll get like a pack of manga including my matter manga as well so check that out again link in the show notes and another week later or a bit less we'll have hybrid japan well we won't have hybrid japan but hybrid japan will be on so tazzy and i will have a roundtable discussion for the do i look like a gamer campaign and doing some photo with our photo frame so we'll be bringing our selfie frame to the event having a conversation similar to what we did with the comic-con panel uh, but with the focus on career paths looking at career paths employment and making your own way in video games so that will be on july the 22nd uh, the event is across the whole weekend but uh, we'll be there july 22nd so come check that out again ticket link in the show notes uh, this one's not a free event but uh, definitely worth investing in some tickets because hybrid japan has always been a cool event uh, for us so those are some of the physical events that are happening and continuing the gaming theme we have launched our do i look like a gamer campaign which is promoting inclusion and diversity in the video games industry as well as opening up awareness of career paths for young people and those from underrepresented backgrounds uh, so if you're following us on social media you would have seen the launch where we launched with a photo campaign featuring 40 players and makers in and around video games and have continued with a series of live stream and online events so you can catch the segments from our live stream launch which we had back in february so we spoke to different people who took part in the campaign this is especially useful if you are a young or aspiring games professional definitely want to get involved we have one last event that is coming up very soon so if you're listening to this at the time the podcast comes out we have our cupcake and gamepad social. So the whole idea for the campaign is, as well as being a fun way to engage people in video games, it's also providing opportunities to give room to maybe practice, develop some uh, skills, and networking is a key skill in any profession and especially in video games. So this is an event where you can come and play games and eat cupcakes, it's right in the title, but also a way to network with other aspiring professionals, other game fans, and people working in the industry. So we're looking to sort of have a mix of people and provide a low-pressure environment for people to connect. So we've got some activities in mind, and we're going to be at the Samsung KX building in King's Cross on Saturday, the 2nd of July from 4 p.m., and it's another free event because the campaign is proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and splash damage so check out the eventbrite link or go to looklikeagamer.com and you'll be directed to uh, the place where you can get tickets and we'll see you there Uh, so now you're all caught up with my matter let's talk about some of the video games that we've been enjoying this week We have a message from Splash Damage for you, who are one of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign sponsors, and they're currently hiring. So the London-based studio recently announced work on a number of new titles built in Unreal Engine 5. 
which looks amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that, Tessie. It's, I'd say stunning. Stunning is a word I'd use for that. I've seen a little bit and um, had a few discussions about it recently. Were it discussions about how stunning it is? Yeah, and a lot <laughs> of people looking forward to what, what comes out of gaming with Unreal Engine 5. More Keanu Reeves, I think. <laughs> so you might know Splash Damage from their work on Dirty Bomb, the Gears of War franchise, Brink or Wolfenstein, Enemy Territory. But the studio is beginning an exciting new chapter with its own games and own IP. And it's looking for talented and ambitious people to join them. That means you, John, Alice, James. I don't know, I think I'm hitting people with this, <laughs> but you know, anyone listening. They offer in-studio hybrid and remote working options. So you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more. I like that they offer different ways of working. I think that's very inclusive of them. Very inclusive. What's your favourite way to work, Tazzy? Uh, I'm probably a hybrid person. Keep it mixed up a bit. Yeah, I like some hybrid. Keep people guessing. Is he yeah. going to be in? Is he not going to be in? Who knows? <laughs> Anyone's guess. So again, you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more. So this is the part of the podcast where we talk about what video games everyone's been playing. So we will start with our guests. So if we start with Maya, what have you been playing? Also, it's really more more so, well, I've been jumping into, because I'm a VTuber. I'm now in a VTuber collab server and they they said, let's all play Minecraft. So that's what I'm doing. I've been playing Minecraft. And a lot of my time has literally just been spent not knowing what the heck I'm doing because I'm I'm new to Minecraft. This is kind of probably like the second time I've ever really played it in the last 10 years. I jumped in for the first time like a decade ago, had no idea what I was doing, then jumped out again. And it's only this last Thursday that I think I've I've been playing. And all I've been doing is is digging a very long tunnel from one point underground to another. That's about all I've been doing in Minecraft so far. Um, are you all, have you all, obviously, it's, it's such a big game. I assume you've all played Minecraft. I feel like Nigel hasn't. Very <laughs> briefly, barely enough to say I've played it, but not enough to really play it. Love mm, Minecraft. I feel like that needs to be a Games Night game. <laughs> oh yeah, we've got it on the list, I think. we um, It's it's on the list, so look out for that. Another uh, introduce Nigel to a, a game everyone was playing a decade ago. <laughs> I will say it's very overwhelming when you get in there for the first time because especially I thought it was overwhelming like 10 years ago but it, it, they've added so much more and apparently there is so much like modded content now that you can add to the game I have no idea what I'm doing and so I'm I'm just enjoying myself like punching trees and 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 hitting things with a pickaxe that's it's very relaxing we struggle to remember like what the recipes are for everything mm. for, like making a map like I can't remember that <laughs> I'm not sure if it's like a standard thing, but at least in the version that I was playing, the modded version that I was playing, they have like a um, a guidebook that just you can click on a thing and it automatically fills like the table for the recipe if as long as you have the resources there so you can easily make things. And that's good for me because now I don't have to be, I don't have to remember anything, which is oh my perfect gosh. my memory is terrible. That's amazing. I didn't know. <laughs> I feel Apparently like... Apparently that's a mod. Yeah, I think that's a mod, but it's like the standard way I play whenever I've played. When you go to like base game, you're like, 
why is it not working? <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, it's mod. <laughs> I know when I played the um the on the Xbox version, uh, Xbox 360 version again, like over a decade ago, they had that kind of system there. They had a system which actually showed you recipes for things mm. as you went along, rather than you having to figure it out yourself or look it up. So I'm I'm. It's weird that they haven't integrated that into the game, but yeah, I guess that's fine. The, everybody seems to know what they're doing if you're a, a seasoned player. Uh, you said you played it a lot, Billy. I bet you've had a lot of adventures in Minecraft. Yeah, I used to play it absolutely loads. Um, I feel like I would be one of these people. I mean, they're like just building the most gigantic farm or I'm mining for no real purpose. Like <laughs> I'm just searching for diamonds for no real reason other than just to have them. Me too. I was having, um, like, digging this hole so far down. I, ju I just asked one of the other players that I was with, the um, person who set it up. I was like, where do I find diamonds? Because that's what I want to do. This is the level you have to go to. And I just started digging a hole. And um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize there was, like, freezing water. So I ended up um, dying quite a few times. Oh, my gosh. Through, through my own stupidity. But yeah. yeah. I feel like they've got, like, loads of new, like, biomes and all sorts of, like, cave systems now that I've heard of that I have yet to experience, um, but I'm I'm excited to. My problem is I don't like being underground in video games. That's, it's so weird, but I feel more claustrophobic being underground in video games than in real life. Oh, than in wow. real life. That's yeah, I just collect wolves. That's what I do when I play Minecraft, <laughs> collect wolves. I always build a tree house, like a giant tree. Like I would collect enough wood that I would basically make this giant tree and then make it look nice. And then I sort of like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> sort of like, you know. Mm -hmm. See, I tried to do that the first time I played was make a tree house, but this time I've gone for something different. I'm hollowing out the inside of a mountain. So it just looks like a regular mountain from the outside, but you get in there and it'll, it'll end up being this massive multi-story kind of housing thing, which I... It's it's in my brain, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it real. That's really cool. I love that. Um, other than that, I've just been on the Fortnite kick. I, I, I feel really bad about this and kind of embarrassed because for the longest time, I, I was like a Fortnite founder. So I, I backed it when it was still a um, like a kind of like tower defense-y type game. Where you, the save the world version that's in there now. And then once they abandoned that and went to the Battle Royale, I was like, well, I'm never playing Fortnite. No, I, I won't do it. I'm never playing Fortnite. This building in Battle Royale mode, they abandoned the game that they were making. But then they added uh, a mode where you don't build anything. Because I did try and get into it, but I was really tired of trying to fight an enemy and then all of a sudden I'd be fighting a house instead. So yeah, I yeah, I jumped into the zero build mode. And honestly, since I did that, I've I've been hooked. I feel really bad about it, but like I am a I'm like a, a Fortnite player now. I've bought way too many skins and I've I think I've spent way too much money on the game. But it's Wow, they got you. Yeah, they got me. They're hook line and sinker, yeah. They, but it's genuinely some of the most fun I've had recently. And uh, the the amount of like strategy that you can bring into the zero build version, because you have to actually think about, you know, where is the high ground, which the, your, the situations that you're actually in in order to get like the best shot at people. Or, you know, if there's multiple teams left, maybe it's best to not engage right now and just wait for them to engage each other so you can then third party them and absolutely destroy them. It's really interesting and engaging and, and fun. And uh, I've really been enjoying it. Love that. No other Fortnite players here then? <laughs> nah. <laughs> you have to try it, literally. I will drag you all in <laughs> to Fortnite with me. Oh no. I've like played it. 
But every time I play it, I'm like, I really have no interest in this game. I'm just playing it because a friend is playing it. <laughs> so were you I played playing with it with the building mode or were you playing it with the no building mode? I played it with uh, in building mode, but I do not build when I play Fortnite. Mm. Try the no build mode then. I, I, mean, I don't think it's going to make there. a difference because I don't like I just don't care about the building in it. Like I don't even care when other people build in. I'm like, I can still I can still be you, even though you're like building this elaborate building. Um <laughs> I'm just like, not not really into it. <laughs> but it has Darth Vader in it now. There's Darth Vader. It has Vader. everyone in it. <laughs> That's true. It does have everyone in it. It's 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 insane how many uh how many amount of characters that they've pulled in from other places now it's i can yeah. make obi-wan cartwheel across the map it's amazing so brendan what about you so i've very recently started playing the uh, the new fire emblem game the fire emblem warriors three hopes um which is really really it's very interesting i don't normally play like a lot of action games like i've played the fire emblem three houses because it's basically just chess, but occasionally you can like pick up your pawns and uh, make them kiss. And that's like the that's the really important part of chess, you know, the and yeah, with like uh, really wonderful characters that you kind of grow to kind of uh, I mean, literally fall in love with because there's a romance mechanic, um, but also just kind of, yeah, grow to love. And now it's sort of like this alternate uh, storyline where it like it has the same uh, it has the same beginning, but the ending um uh, but basically, like, you play as di a different character, and because of that, like, because of the characters that you play as, the story that unfolds changes. So I'm kind of interested to see where this is going. Uh, but it seems, yeah, I haven't gone too far in it yet, but it's pretty interesting. And I think, like, it, the only other thing that I also wanted to give a shout-out to is if someone, if anyone here just really likes twitchy gameplay and that sort of stuff, uh, like shooters and that sort of stuff, I would recommend Neon White. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, it's really good because I don't, as I said, like I don't like I normally play like if I look at my um, sort of Steam, like the recent game I played are like V Rising and then the rest are just like strategy games that have some of them have an incredibly boring name like Settlement Survival. I guess, you know, if you want to sell your game, it explains it there and the thing. But Neon White is it's very clear that it's uh, like it's it, it's so Number one, it's like uh, it's a very short levels, like uh, like really uh, um, like the early early levels are like thirty seconds, and then later on you get ones that are more like a few minutes long. But in general, you have really tight levels. Um, you're supposed to like run through them maybe two or three times, getting better and better at them. The game, you know, you first sort of like get lost in it or like oh no i think i have to go here and here and then the game also kind of teaches you like oh what about this shortcut or like oh you're able to find them yourself as you get better and yeah like and then at the end the game like shows you it only like shows what like how how well everyone else is doing like right until the end of the level so you kind of like ah okay you know you see people who like oh i did it in like less than 20 seconds this is pretty good maybe i can be a little bit faster and you can see like oh the best people are doing it at like 12 seconds maybe i can do like 17 like it makes you feel like a speedrunner even though maybe you're not as good or you're not very good it makes you feel like a speedrunner which is really interesting and it has an incredibly cheesy shonen story that is just mwah, that is like 
uh, yeah, like you're all assassins who have been hired by heaven essentially in this uh, to like so you've been your assassins who have died and you've been hired by heaven to kill demons and your prize is salvation but the person who won salvation last year is still here oh <laughs> um but yeah it's incredibly cheesy and i can definitely like there's a little bit for a lot of different people i think the game actually says that it's like made by freaks for freaks so maybe that's uh that's the real uh metric <laughs> you should judge it in terms of the gameplay it's like a is it like a first person shooter right and like you're yeah running through the levels in first person it's just the first just it's just there's a there's like a small sub-genre of like these very tiny fps like these tiny fps's with very tiny levels that is just first person you run through and you're trying to like get to know this very small level that is that you can do in like under a minute or whatever as best as you can and yeah like neonoid is a very good i think like it's taking that like i it feels like the developers like played those games they're like oh, i really want to make one and then they're trying to make it a little bit more accessible and interesting by adding the narrative and by adding a lot of other things uh, and what's also nice is once you feel like you've done your best and you're kind of your heart is all hyped up from playing the game because you're you know you're trying to not mess up uh there's also like a little puzzle within each uh level where you like you have to find a gift so then you're kind of taking your time to actually look at everything and then yeah it's pretty interesting that sounds really good sounds like something you can sort of like hop in yeah, yeah exactly and, yeah like you can play quite casually if you want billy what about you i have been absolutely loving um I don't know how else to describe it. I'm like a, a tile placing game called Dorf Romantic. Um, it's really super cute and chill. If you're looking for something to relax to, I cannot recommend this more. Legitimately, you can jump on for five minutes or five hours. Um, just placing tiles, making your own little world. You get like, uh, you unlock loads of little things, uh, like little boats that go around your little world, little trains. And it's just absolutely adorable. It's just really, really cute. So yeah, definitely. Honestly, guys, just have a look. <laughs> It's been helping me relax a lot. <laughs> I love all of these. There's like a few um, like board games or like video games that are like secretly board games, if that makes yes. sense. Mm. Yes. Um, and Dorf Romantic is really, really lovely and beautiful and calming. Uh, have you played Islanders? I haven't. No. Is it kind of similar? Yeah, it's very, very similar where you it, it, I think it calls itself like a minimalist city builder. And you just have like this island and you get like, oh, can you, you know, please drop this house somewhere. And depending on where you drop it, you get points, right? So it's like very similar. But again, like I think what's what's nice with like both games is at the end of it, you have this like nice little scape, like nice little cityscape or whatever, right? Like you have this nice little landscape that you've built yourself and you can look at it like, yeah, mm, I did this. I did this in my little world. Yeah, I love that. And I've also been playing a lot of Hades as well. Um, I'm like, I have, I have, I have like Hades on every, everything that I own just because it's just such a good game. I can't stop buying it every time. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I better start a new one. The developers love you. So <laughs> they really do. I'm the sucker that will buy all of the limited editions for it as well, because I just want the artwork because it's just so beautiful. And I just love that. Like you get rewarded for dying. That's incredible. What a mechanic. It's an absolutely fantastic game. It's a good job. Um, like it has cross save, right? So you, you just picking it up and like playing it anywhere. You got it on like Switch as well. 
no i'm doing like multiple different versions because i'm like on one of them on my pc i'm I'm, like only doing a sword playthrough on my switch i'm doing a total different playthrough i'm like just running it differently that's a really interesting way of getting into a game expensive way but interesting (laughs) yes (laughs) but uh, yeah really 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 fun um and i was i was doing some yesterday and I, i like was getting stuck on this level but it was nice though because I was unlocking all these story elements. So even though I was dying and I was getting frustrated at like being taken out by like one of the gods, essentially, it was okay because I was getting all this wonderful story, you know, that was kind of like rewarding me for dying. So I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> I am definitely missing out with the fact that I still have not played Hades. It's uh, you know, won a lot of awards for a reason. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I was literally talking about this like over the weekend and it's because I feel like it's one that I need to like at least when I first pick it up play on stream so that people can see my reaction to it <laughs> and I've just not had a chance <laughs> I did play this very briefly in a workshop early in the year because uh so it was, it was a game design workshop so we're obviously talking video games and I said at some point I said I feel God of War is arguably the best game ever made and one of the uh, the young people in I say young uh, I think early 20s but she sort of challenged me and said Hades and it's just adamant I was like uh, I haven't actually played it I hadn't played it at the time so he made sure that by the end of the week I played Hades uh, obviously I didn't get enough time to to make a judgment on on his rebuttal but uh, it did seem really cool so and it looked looked very good there's just like so many options like you're just going through the world and each time like you can do something different like each like level you're going to be able to access different things like no playthrough is ever going to be the same mm. like you can jump on and every level is going to be like although they're repeated they're all in different orders you're gonna you don't know what like kind of monsters you're gonna face it's just it's just so good it's just so good and i just love the artwork so much it's just um amazing it's a particularly good roguelike um the the feeling of power that you eventually get over time where you you're you're just getting more and more powerful and you get that right combination of like weaponry plus the bonus additions you're just completely decimating everything on the screen in certain run throughs just oh, so good i love that so good. it feels so good also the characters like some of them are really hot so that helps mm. oh oh my god <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely missing out oh my god <laughs> every character Anyway, uh, and so that we can keep this family friendly, I'm just going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I so over the weekend, I um pretty much just spent Sunday playing video games, which was great. Cause I feel like I've not had a chance to do that for a while. Tried a bit of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Obviously, that just came out. Quite fun. So started a playthrough of that. I think I'm going to finish it this week. And then, ah, I finally got around to trying out Kirby and the Forgotten Land. What did you think of it? Oh, it's just so cute. It (laughs) is. It's adorable, isn't it? It's just a really nice, like, so I was playing it co-op. So it's just like a really nice, chill game that you can just play co-op and just just have a really easy, easygoing life. I actually feel like we should, when we continue it, should probably uh put the difficulty up a bit because it is really easy <laughs> it just has two difficulties right because i've i've been playing this as well like um a little bit ago when it first came out i was really excited and like my favorite bit is like when you get to like eat different things and then turn into them like especially yeah. like the vehicles when you get to like kirby just eats a car and then drives around it's so fun yeah 
Mine's the uh, cone is the fa- my favorite so far. I've only done like two <laughs> levels, so. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's horrifying. The uh, full mouth mode. It's just <laughs> like it's some of those transformations are awful, but it's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah, I did like the first one that I saw. Obviously, I'd seen the trailers and stuff, but I was just like looking at. It, I was like, I'm questioning the like the anatomy here. <laughs> And like, how uncomfortable is this for Kirby? <laughs> well, everybody knows that Kirby is actually an eldritch horror in reality, so I don't <laughs> think Kirby can even feel pain. Uh, how is he even steering the car? But yeah, I oh god, with his tongue, probably maybe. I don't know. I have no understanding of Kirby in full mouth mode. I'm like. I'm so confused, but it's, it's still a lot of fun. The one, the one problem I have with this game, Nintendo, is um, the like little little wolf fox doggy things are just so cute, and I hate having to like attack it feels them really and bad kill to them. Yeah, those enemies because they are so cute. And just like this feels illegal. <laughs> Funny that you said you you play in co-op because like I feel that game you could definitely play with up to four people and it would still be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm yeah. it's confusing why Nintendo only limited it to two because when I was looking at the game in general, like I it felt very very much like um, Super Mario 3D World, you know that kind of oh, gameplay yeah. in terms of like the way that the world is set up. So I think it would have been perfect for like four player co-op. You're confused why Nintendo arbitrarily limited something. Yeah, I shouldn't be really. Who uh, <laughs> understands? Welcome you know, to video Nintendo games. Decisions. Yeah, there might be a DLC where you can four player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of the disappointing things is that you're not playing as like multiple Kirby's. I feel like the second player is a bit of a bit of a Mario Mario Odyssey situation. You got to be one of the Waddledees, right? Like with a stick or something. Is that yeah. What and I'm like, oh, I don't know why it's not like every other Kirby multiplayer Kirby game, and not it's just a set part. Oh, it's still fun. to be a Waddle Dee with a stick. Everybody wants to be Kirby. Come on, everyone wants to be Kirby, or like the really cute flying fox thingy. I don't know what it's called, but like sprite. I was like, that's cute. Can I play as that? <laughs> Honestly, I'd I'd play as one of the the little wolf dogs. Honestly, that's that's better than a waddle dee to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I jumped back on a bit of Halo as well. Just just the uh, just the one evening of, of Halo. I still got it. So which Halo still got is it. It the new one? <laughs> um, it's Halo Infinite multiplayer. Yeah, still got it. Still, still the uh, coach. Still coach Tazzy. <laughs> my team my team consistently won with my my uh my my level of coaching but um yeah nigel i'm interested to hear what you've been playing yeah actually i you reminded me i played a tiny bit of halo because uh as some people may know we attempted a <laughs> halo infinite games attempted night being the keyword the the only word in, <laughs> uh, um, in there so uh and it just like failed spectacularly for many many reasons uh we'll piece together those highlights that will be a short one but i just went back just to make sure the game worked basically um i didn't even do anything online i just did like with bots and because the last time i played halo might have been halo 2 that's the last one i remember playing oh, that's a while so, back yeah a little while because that was when i had an xbox and then i've been 
PlayStation since and just not using my PC for gaming until very recently. So yeah, I briefly tried that. Um, I just felt like it's almost like riding a bike. You're just like, oh, okay, cool. Got it. Not saying I'm good at it, but uh, I did remember <laughs> some of the controls. So looking forward to when we can get back on that and hopefully less tech issues. And I've also been playing some games that I should have been playing much earlier in the year. So one of my things this year was to play more play more games full stop but just like more uh indie games and things like that so early in the year i bought and started uh kenna bridge of spirits and then just did not come back to it and then the same with psychonauts 2 so wait you still haven't finished psychonauts i still haven't so basically over the past few months i've hardly played any games and i've just felt shame uh over that but yeah. I feel like you should feel a lot of shame over Psychonauts too. I should. Considering we done a <laughs> we did a whole story, story club, club live it. stream, so <laughs> that's especially uh, especially shameful because I was supposed to finish it before we did that and haven't even finished it since. So that is like top of my list to to get through. But still love the game. Uh, still like a joy to play. Now I've <laughs> jumped back onto it, and Kenna Bridge of Spirits is. You're really good. It's like, um, I think I mentioned Pikmin when I last spoke about it in terms of controlling the spirit. So as I'm getting a bit further in, it's revealing more of the mechanics and more of the things that you can do with them in combat situations, uh, as well as in just like exploration uh, situations. So, and then obviously discovering more of the, the story as well. So I'm quite liking how it's unfolding. And like Tazzy, I've also been playing shredder's revenge because it's turtles and that's like my childhood so um as soon as that came out i just had to jump jump on that so played some of that also played it co-op as well so tried it um single player and co-op and it's just so they just captured it's just pure nostalgia i mean it's it's a good game it's a good experience playing but they've also just captured that like I can't remember when the original series, I don't know, it was like nineties, maybe even like eighties. Just it feels like that from the the startup, uh, the introduction from mm. the pixel uh, graphics. It's just just pure childhood nostalgia, and it's great. But in the game as well, it feels like I don't know what you think about it, like Tazzy. It's it just feels like a. It's not overly complex, and I like yeah. that. Yeah, it's quite. So I actually played the like arcade like the old school arcades Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game the night before because we went to a barcade which is obviously like it's the classic version and then playing playing uh, Shredder's Revenge it was like this is such a good game because it really like captures the like retroner but feels so smooth and so modern at the same time yeah exactly and I feel like it is really simple you can really easily jump into it, which you should be able to do with that kind of game. But then as you start to like figure out combos and there's like some really cool moves you can do as you start to like level up as well, you're like, wow. And I think it's just like quite well balanced because of that. Yeah, it does feel like that. It just feels like just simple to get into. And then you start discovering, like you say, some of the combo combos, some of the the different moves in there the enemies like the way the enemies are like changing and shifting what they do as well it just i feel like we're in a place where we we have like massive games and sort of great complexity and it's all cool but sometimes you just want to let me just jump into something i don't have to think too much 
Yeah, you just want something you can. It's such it's such a good couch couch co-op. It's such a good like we can just quickly pick up and play. Yeah, like, one or two levels it doesn't matter like where you fall on like video game skill. Exactly. Yeah, and even what's really good is because I had already started a game myself, and I then continued in co-op and it just picked up the same game. So the person I was playing with just picked up a controller and they just joined the game and it continues the story. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's what I've been been playing and uh, hopefully I won't leave as big a gap and I'll get to actually finish Psychonauts 2 and I can be rid of my shame. <laughs> get rid of that shame. Should we get into the main discussion for today? For our roundtable episodes, uh, we also, as well as talking about games that we are playing, we like to discuss uh, the latest or the most impactful or just plain interesting video game news stories that are going around concerning major platform holders, publishers, and anyone else in between. Uh, so we're in a summer. So this is the summer of games, summer game fest. Used to be E3, maybe will be again, probably never again. Um, but We'll get into like what everyone has been doing uh, and what stands out to our panel. So I'm going to start with Xbox. And actually, I'm just going to, because one of the things that I've been just interested to see, I mentioned E3. I don't know what you all feel about this, but I feel there's a E3 in particular are in a dangerous position because we've had different showcases and we're going to get into Xbox in just a second. And I've heard a lot of E3 being mentioned whether it's either just people outright saying, oh, this is the E3 week or E3 window or the not E3. And I feel there's a problem when you are not here and people are still saying what you do, like using your brand name without you and continuing without you. That's not a good sign. I don't know what anyone else feels about that. Oh, definitely. Like, uh, the, I, I kind of miss E3 at this point. I think it was there for so many years and basically became a mainstay of the gaming industry that now this is the first year that is kind of like gone, even though for the last several years, it's kind of been like dipping in, in like the amount of presence it's had, of course, mm. you know, the whole pandemic. But yeah, I I, I kind of miss it. I don't know. I feel like I, I, I want it back because like everything kind of felt a little bit mid this year. It kind of didn't have the same impact. I don't know if that's just the, the, how I feel about it. I don't know how you all feel about it. Yeah, did anyone else found a limited impact for what has been shown so far? It definitely feels like different, I guess, like, because obviously, like, the last couple of years have been interesting anyway, for different reasons. But like, now everything is kind of all online. It doesn't, I feel like you're not seeing crowds there and cheering and like, there's like this lack of hype because there's no, like, there's less atmosphere because people build an atmosphere. And if you're all online, then like, it's not the same. I, yeah, I totally I agree with, with both of you. Um, but it's just, it feels like everything feels so like scat scattered. There's not like a central focus. Focus. Like I don't know, I don't know where to put my attention. So I just don't end up giving anything my attention. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's better for journalists in terms of like it's all a little bit more broken up now. I mean, I mean, mm. Sony basically did theirs like a week or two beforehand, and Nintendo didn't bother doing anything for it. So Again, no wonder it doesn't feel as impactful. It's always interesting to see, uh, you know, Jeff Keighley Fest 
<laughs> that's always fun to see uh see what what keely's up to and and having people come out and like uh just say how much and they're in love with him i was expecting kojima at some point to pop up and they'd talk about how how much they are besties uh still but um, uh, he was in the microsoft basement yeah. yeah he was yeah yeah that's why i couldn't do that but yeah jeff keely is like uh one man e3 wrecking crew is <laughs> like uh just taking over the the gaming calendar yeah so we had different showcases uh all well i guess all seen virtually so microsoft had their xbox and bethesda game showcase so earlier this month uh in june they they showed a lot so it was a 90 minute showcase with news and trailers and lots of game pass so if you didn't know before <laughs> everything's on game pass you hopefully now know everything is on game pass uh, so you had things announcements from xbox game studios from bethesda third party studios and interestingly they made a point to say that everything they were showing at least at the time of showing it is or will be playable within the next year i'm not sure how that relates to starfield though because that hasn't got a date on it but they said everything there. So I guess my first question is, did anyone watch it live? And what, if anything, stood out? Tazzy, I know you are our resident Xbox representative. So did you? what did you think about the showcase? I watched it live. I absolutely loved that everything was playable within the next year. Because have I said it before here? Hmm. I've said it before, I don't know about publicly, um, but I've said before, like, I I really hate, like, building up hype for something when, like, I can't play it soon. It's just annoying to me. And then I forget about it because as well, there's always so many games coming out. I kind of want to be told about a game and, like, get excited about a game when I know it's coming out relatively soon rather than in like 10 years and then you finally get to it it's a big disappointment but yeah so i really i really liked that about it and there was a lot and there was a lot of gameplay as well shown um like different games i just felt like oh i can actually like get excited about these and know i'm gonna play them and know i'm gonna play them soon because as well they are all on game pass yeah, like I said, the Game Pass message was drummed in loud and clear. Yeah, I did appreciate that they showed a lot of gameplay. And I, I tend to agree with you about, because I felt this watching some of the Summer Game Fest opening launch where there was a lot of trailers and there's a lot of world exclusives, which is cool. But I don't know, there's something when, when I see just a trailer, which doesn't necessarily represent how the final game will play. It's kind of hard to get too excited about it absolutely so yeah i did appreciate like showing like a lot of gameplay in in microsoft's one well uh yeah i, I always get so frustrated about like just dropping trailers that are cinematic trailers uh, that have nothing to do with the actual final gameplay and you have no idea if it's coming out in a year you have no idea if it's coming out in six months or two years from now i will say that i thought that the i, I also co-stream the xbox uh, showcase and i think that this was so much more impactful than anything else i saw during that week just because mm -hmm. they knew what they were doing in terms of the presentation they had their messaging down uh there's like everything's available 
on both uh, like Xbox Game Pass and you know that means PC too if you've got the Xbox Game Pass on PC but like it wasn't you know a trailer followed by five minutes of talking like maybe some other things uh, that were showcased were it was trailer a little bit tiny little bit of downtime trailer 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 just getting out all of the key points and just like constantly hitting people with this is stuff that you need to be excited for I think like We'll probably talk about Summer Games Fest in a bit in general, but that particular show itself, like you say, those world premieres, followed by five minutes of talking to a dev about something and just being bored to tears or, you know, The Last of Us having the voice actors come out and then just just falling asleep while they, they talk for 15 minutes. Um, but in comparison, this was a lot more impactful um i'm really looking forward to some of the titles that they announced like the uh the redfall in general i've been hyped for that but to see some actual oh, gameplay yes. for it mm. really cool right yeah. i loved how much um there was like day one exclusives i think that was just like you like you said like the messaging was down to a t and just like having so many of them like you can have them on release it's just amazing at this point if you don't have game pass you're kind of you're kind of missing out and like wasting money on a bunch of other stuff really depending on on what you're into because there's just so much there now and it's it's a good opportunity to just try games especially like i don't know about about you all but um like definitely for me i was never the, the type of person that had like games on release because the games are expensive and everyone okay. wants you to play the latest game on stream and you kind of want to also get the balance of what your friends are playing as well as like what you want to play and then <laughs> and i was like never sort of able to play the latest games or even try them it'd be like a, quite a few years before i'd even like try a game but this is like oh i'm slightly interested in this game oh cool it's going to be on game pass so i can even just like give it a go because it's like the equivalent of being able to like download demos like you used to be able to do, uh, mm. but actually, you know, you have access to the full game now. I'm an incredibly, I'm in an incredibly privileged position where, because obviously being content creators, uh, we get a lot of games sent to us and we can like apply for them for free and stuff. But um, certain games I don't necessarily get access to. And having Game Pass there and being like, you know, this, this high on life game from the Rick and Morty guys from like Squanch Games looks super cool. I don't know if I would like make that purchase though, because I like I I've never played a, a game from that studio before. And I'm not really sure like what the quality's like, but having it on mm. Game Pass, I'll be like, yeah, I'll download that. I'll I'll dive in. I'll give that a go. Why not? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I feel the exact same way about that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm glad because I always like to see things different, whether it's for me or not. But uh, I like Rick and Morty, so I was like, oh, okay, this looks interesting. As a game, would I? play this kind of thing i don't know we'll see i guess um brendan did you check out the showcase did you anything stand out for you uh yeah i mean like i i with all of the showcases unfortunately like i didn't really like watch them live but i i kind of like checked up on the news or like looked at the all of the different um trailers and i think it's i uh, just to kind of quickly go back to like the conversation i think it is really nice like i know for example in general that the game pass stuff has also been pretty good for devs like in the in the sense of like there's been because there's been some like there was initially some worry about like oh are they if you have your game on game pass does that take away sales and a lot of people sort of uh, some people worried about that um but overall like it seems to be like it helps like you know you get this money in the beginning so then you can feel comfortable 
completing your game without needing to maybe like, you know, push it out early because you've run out of money, right? Like these sort of situations happen. And now, you know, you can get like that little extra bit of cash. It's on a place that a lot of people have seen, that a lot of people see, um, which is really nice. And yeah, so it's, I think Game Pass uh, or like this sort of system as long, at least for now, you know, like, uh, like the, the thing with like Netflix is like in the beginning it was good and now it's like awkwardly run, right? Or like there's a lot of different things that are not necessarily great about it. But at the, but at the very least, like with the Xbox Game Pass right now for developers, it's a pretty good deal. And I think it's helping uh, a lot of people out make their games that maybe they necessarily wouldn't want to make uh, or wouldn't be able to make um, even. And people uh, be able to play things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to play or try playing and seeing something is like like yeah something is something they like because i totally i i mean i do the same i i have totally i got game pass just to try out like day one um a game that would normally be at full price um because yeah like i didn't i wasn't sure if i really wanted it you know and then it's like yeah and then later on if i really want to i can just you know buy it if i really really loved it or do all of these things and it's nice to have that option out of all of the yeah Sorry, I was just going to say, it's kind of become like the modern day blockbuster now in terms of like, if you didn't know if you wanted a game, maybe you'd rent it back in the day and that option right. is completely gone now. So yeah, it's just nice to just have that though. The, out of the the stuff showed at the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase, I mean, yeah, like the, I think Redfall looks really, looks really good. Um, and I'm interested with like the, the one that I think kind of stood out to me uh, was the, what, what was it called? There it is. Uh, yeah. Wolong Fallen Dynasty. Because I think there's not always a lot of stories, like often with a lot of games and the stories that they tell, there's a lot of like Japanese mythological stuff or like history stuff like that goes to the West. Right. And this one that is specifically Chinese is interesting, like or like it's interesting to see that, OK, you know, more and more games are maybe or like more people are uh, or feel comfortable and confident enough to make something that is like. You know, like here is something that is very, very Chinese that is about the Three Kingdoms um, and that is just an action game. Um, and I guess people feel comfortable enough to make it and sell it out there, which is a nice sign. And then hopefully, I don't know, like more stories from different places that normally don't get to tell their stories through video games can tell their stories. So it's like uh, it's just kind of, I guess, like one example that I'm excited to see where it hopefully leads to more. Yeah, it's interesting you say like Game Pass being the a deal for developers and it sounds like you're it almost is potentially changing the way games are made or at least the types of games that are invested in or can be invested in because you're removing that, you know, you need to sell X amount of this game at sixty pounds or seventy if you have a PlayStation. Um it <laughs> removes that. So when you remove that bar, you can then say okay we're going to make different types of games that don't necessarily need to sell massive amounts but can still be made on this platform is that something you feel is is changing yeah i think a lot of indies or uh like my my kind of overall feeling is that uh quite a few indies are very glad for the fact that yeah expo game pass exists and it's willing to fund um because i mean in like in film right like you have like the big blockbuster films and what happens is the film industry uses that money to fund much smaller much riskier indie films and this feels like a little bit like that where i guess xbox is being this middleman where it's uh yeah like they're obviously they're earning a lot from 
you know, in general, and they're and that they're able to kind of yeah use this money to make kind of yeah hopefully like make winner games exist right because there's there's room for that and there's like I think like it used to be they used to be B games you know what I mean like they <laughs> they were they used to be these games in the middle that maybe were not super triple you know we're not really like triple a but they weren't like something that was made by just one person or like these sort of very small teams like you had the the stuff in the middle and i think as it got to like mid 2000s that kind of like went went down like they kind of disappeared and there's only like really small indie games and really big games and it feels like the xbox stuff is, uh the xbox game pass is specifically like making the the those B games have more room. I'll have a little bit more safety net, if that makes sense. We're like, yeah, like we can just we don't have to worry too much because we've already been paid and we can so we can focus on making the game and then yeah, can kind of continue making stuff going on from it. No, it makes sense. And you know, you, you mentioned uh AAA, so I feel we have to mention like the AAA game that was shown in that showcase uh, and Starfield, which I don't know what everyone's feeling in terms of like interest in the game in particular, but I feel the the story of Starfield is a uh, is an interest or potentially an interesting one because we have the the next new IP from Bethesda uh, director Todd Howard first in I don't know more than a decade since I don't know yeah just. A long time so there's a lot of anticipation uh we had a situation where some of it speaking of trailers trailer a trailer was shown and a date and it was very specific on the date 11 11 22 but as has been the case with games uh over the past uh well i mean it's been a it's been a thing but particularly over the past couple of years everything gets delayed so naturally this along with redfall uh was delayed and then at the showcase, we were actually shown gameplay. So I was intrigued, but s- slightly concerned that we may be facing a uh, the dreaded word cyberpunk uh, issue of a lot of hype and expectation for a game that may or may not deliver. If it does, like what I said, sounds amazing uh, to me, at least sounds amazing but very ambitious. So in terms of what was shown, first of all, uh, does anyone have any interest in in this game? Do you think it looks promising? And then do you feel like the the scope of the game is is a good thing? Well, I would I would I'm definitely interested in it. I'm not a massive Bethesda fan, like uh, I'm not like a massive like um Skyrim or Fallout fan. Uh, but this definitely piqued my interest, like the amount of exploration that you're supposedly being able to to do here in this game, like searching planets and going from planet to planet. It makes it seem like a more accessible Elite Dangerous, but with actual, like, you can get down on the planet a bit more like the original Mass Effect where you go on the missions and land the Mako. It felt like that to me. But at the same time, um, I remember Fallout 76. I remember Todd Howard. You know, it just works. Is that going to be the case here? Bethesda likes to make a lot of promises that in the last five years or so that they've definitely not lived up to. So I don't know. I'm tempering those expectations and whether or not, you know, I I, I don't know if it will be a a purchase on release. And I'm assuming it's a part of Game Pass because everything else was. Um, maybe I'll I'll try it, but I I'm I'm not going to get my hopes up for it. 
yeah, I feel like I'm excited for like the potential of it. And I really, I really love Bethesda games. So that kind of gives me hope. But I'm also less of a space game kind of person. So in that kind of light, I'm also just like, I'm not really fussed if it's like, if it doesn't go exactly as kind of people imagine. Obviously, a lot of us like remember like the No Man's Sky fiasco. And I've been playing that recently and that's really good now. But like when it came out, obviously, a lot of people were disappointed. And I just hope that it doesn't do that because I feel like people will have already some like bad, as you said before, like um, with other games as well, like some bad thoughts in regards to, yeah, all these like, you know, thousands of planets and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, is that... that was the one line that swapped up for me. I was like, I don't know <laughs> is it if too that's much? a good thing. Yeah. Do, do I have time to go through a thousand? Yeah, that's, 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 also... Also the th- that's also the thing, right? I mean, like, I guess it, this is a very different, like, like I, I as a, like, I'm an adult. I don't have time to explore <laughs> a, thousand, a thousand different worlds and a hundred star systems. Cool. But uh, what about just 10 really good ones, please? Like, you know, it's, yeah. um, I'm not, it, it's, uh, I mean, it kind of depends, obviously, like, okay, so what can you do with them? How much, like, all, like yeah, how, how different and how much things can you, um, is like available in them and it's like if there's so many if there's so much content or so much wealth that is there open it really like it's probably going to be mostly nothing right (laughs) that's what i'm thinking because even with mass effect that was mentioned where you can go to different planets and i say planets like use the word loosely because it was a an area on a planet you won't go around the whole planet like even you know a game like gta gta 5 how detailed the, the city is and you're talking about the whole planet. It's not going to be GTA, so it's not going to even be the whole planet. So that worries me, first of all. And it's like, how much time do you have for that? Uh, I actually got a message after, uh, I think a couple of days after the showcase from Lau, who's the, my medical co-founder, has been on uh, the podcast a few times. And he's kind of the, I guess, casual gamer, even though I feel like he plays more games than I do. But he sent I think me a message he plays like, more games than both for both of us. Yeah, never, never trust. Even if someone is a quote unquote casual gamer, like all that means is they they think they don't play a lot. But if, yeah. you, if you check, exactly. they actually play a lot of games. That definitely like class. That's where Lau is. But he sends me a message like, "Have you have you heard of this game, Starfield?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've heard of it." And he's like, "It sounds cool, but I don't know about all these planets." Is and to to quote him, it, it sounds like work. Mm, yeah. That was like, yeah, you might be right, Lau. I feel like it's one of those situations. It's like, when's a game? When's a big game too big? Mm. And I feel like it's too big. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have these expectations of what it should look like as well, and like, you know, as well as that, like, what's the story going to be like? If it's mm. gonna be so big, are they gonna be able to hit these like, I guess, story notes that actually like motivates you to continue going through it, or is it gonna be flat? And and as well, like, if because I think they mentioned, oh, you don't. You won't go to all of the planets for the story. I feel like that was mentioned. I might have just made that up, but <laughs> uh, I mean, if that's the case, which I mean, it, it probably it, it's pretty likely, I suppose, yeah. if there is these thousand <laughs> thousand different worlds. Why have them? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's and not. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's exactly. It's like, what do these extra planets add to the game? And also, like, how easy is it to know what is main main quest? to go to do you know what i mean because i find with sometimes with like big open world games i'm there and i'm like there's so much calling for my attention and it's not it's not made like the main quest isn't made separate enough it isn't bold enough 
for me to know. Like I have to sort of sit there and go, wait, is this one main quest again? Like if I'm, I'm probably not going to play Starfield at all. I might try out the character creation because I think that looked pretty good. But um, that's probably as far as I'll get like character create. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I'm just like, this just looks too intimidating. I just don't have time. I don't have time to play like a, a linear game that's too big right now. Give me those eight hour games, please. Oh, yeah. Eight to I, 16 hour games. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm on it. Let's go. <laughs> Definitely. I'm so with you. So like, I, I, I feel like I like the type of game that Starfield is, is and is, is working on be i'm just i just got those feelings of like oh is this is this too big so uh, i guess we'll see and um they didn't give a release date i think that's a smart thing to do uh, i feel the industry needs to change how it deals with like release dates and all that just let's know you're making a game show progress that's cool <laughs> and then when it's ready then say it's ready so yeah that was a positive showing i felt from um microsoft from xbox and bethesda just before we go into playstation just to drop some or touch on some maybe less positive uh news but i feel also important in terms of where microsoft studios are going so we saw xbox and bethesda we didn't see well actually we saw some blizzard technically but we didn't see much activision blizzard because that uh takeover is still in process i think due to be completed before the end of next year's fiscal quarter so like june 2023 um but stuff is happening at blizzard and recently so as well as the activision or current still current activision ceo bobby kotick being re-elected to the board uh, for another year the activision blizzard board uh, of directors uh led an internal investigation into sort of all the the issues around uh, harassment, sexual harassment of women, of uh, minorities in the, the company. And the group concluded that there was never any, uh, and a quote, systematic issue with harassment, discrimination, or retaliation at Activision Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what what do you, has anyone been following this story, like since the initial kind of outpouring of like just terrible news? Um, what do you feel about Bobby Kotick's re-election and what it means for the takeover and how can you have an internal investigation and clear yourself of wrongdoing that doesn't sound right to me but we've seen that a bunch recently i think uh in just you know companies and and you know maybe you know political parties investigating themselves and finding they've done nothing wrong so I'm yeah, not... has there ever been an internal investigation that's found oh no we are actually terrible we need to change <laughs> <laughs> is that uh no i mean like this I, i've been following this like um not very extremely closely but i've been aware of everything and and to be fair like activision blizzard's track record has been terrible outside of these uh, allegations for their, you know, internal, internal uh, treatment uh, of of their workers. So I'm not surprised Bobby Kotick was reelected. I I I imagine I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word cronyism here. Um, <laughs> that board is probably filled with people that are personal friends with him who he's probably gone into those positions again i have no evidence for this but like this is usually what happens um so i'm not i'm not surprised uh it it saddens me with you know the acquisition going on that that there isn't like this result means that there might not be any meaningful change happening in the future especially with bobby kotick coming back again 
And I have some choice words I could say, but we're trying to keep this family friendly. <laughs> yeah. But um, with with that track record of the company, with like Bobby Kotick like making decisions to say, you know, slash um, slash devs slash the the devs they hire after they're done on projects when they don't need to, and taking like massive um, bonuses for himself and other CEOs within the company. It's like you can see where their priorities lay and uh, i'm completely not surprised that he was re re-elected and i'm not surprised that um they found no wrongdoings with them yeah i guess it's yeah um i guess really i'm not surprised either it's just uh and i, I think this is one of the the downsides of video games becoming such a big industry um it's always held in like high esteem that you know the thing that's thrown out is video games is bigger than music and film combined and in some ways it is but what comes with big companies is is some of this behavior and when you see stories of like all the like years of of sort of bad behavior harassment uh intimidation like was quoted in that original uh lawsuit from the uh california state you kind of wonder how can this guy stay be in his job for so long when he's you know, of his wrongdoing but you remember it's a business <laughs> and mm. in the time he's been there activision and then activision blizzard has made a load of money and unfortunately that's his job that's it's, it's not the other stuff i feel it should be different but it's not the, the other stuff like being you know caring about your employees making sure you have good working conditions for you know your stakeholders the sort of players the products you're making the employees the people that make the game he's made a lot of money and, and so mm. i guess that's why it's not a surprise it's just a, a shame really yeah it's uh, the um Oh God, I I do vaguely wish that we could swear. Um, the but Bobby Kotick is kind of renowned for speaking about uh, or like you know saying that he wants to take the fun out of making games and like yeah like he's a businessman through and through and like it's really it is just really sad because like I think that especially a lot of the issue is like you have all you have quite a few of these companies that you know was started in the eighties right and like were just a bunch of people making stuff in from their own bedroom. And none of, and I think a lot of people, you know, never really learned what it means to be a good manager, <laughs> like or like uh, with a lot of these things. True, when you never had to. Yeah, and 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 then you know, like, oh, it's been going well all this time. Me doing things the way they are, and then yeah, like uh, you know, if you don't care enough about the people who are working and the products themselves, I mean, it's you know, talking about Activision Blizzard and say. Like, because it's, it's like, it's also it, like, I mean, for me, it's specifically a really hard issue to talk about because like, you know, unfortunately we live in capitalism and therefore we do need to work. We do need to trade our labor for money so we can live and games really should be a bit more expensive or like we're not necessarily, or like the people making the games aren't as paid as well as they really should be. And, you know, it's not necessarily the fault of the gamers who just want to buy the games and play stuff uh, and but you know like there's sometimes obviously there's a bit of a complaint about like oh games are very expensive right now it's like yeah because uh you know like cost of living and all these things but it's just like it's also you know most of the case is like a lot of the wealth and a lot of the value is being taken up by bobby kodak and other people <laughs> like him right like that's the that's the truth of it like he doesn't whatever he does it's not worth I think, hmm, I have to remember, and I think these were slightly old numbers, 
but I think he gets paid at least 300 times more than the average worker in Activision Blizzard, and almost a thousand times more than some of the lowest workers in there. And like, whatever he is, it, like he's, he's not worth that many people, right? Like, he's just one guy. But unfortunately, like, that's the, the situation. And at the very least, um, you know, to vaguely talk about something good is like, you know, we are doing, or like more and more people within the industry are unionizing, like the Raven Software Studio, the QA, the, the, the QA folks in there that are part of Activision Blizzard. So that's good. And like, we're starting to take it into our own hands. But yeah, like, it's ugly. Yeah. And I know Microsoft recently announced a, or at least a neutral position on unionization. I'm quietly hopeful, like, about Microsoft in general. Um, they, I, I don't think, you know, knock on wood, and, you know, um, that uh, I've seen them union bust. And I happen to know that, in general, the studios that they have bought, they tend to be very hands-off with. Right. So that's nice on its own, right? Like, you know, when you're just making stuff, you want a bit of agency over the things that you're making and all of those things, and they seem to be giving that in general. Um, so... It, I think it's actually, even though there's definitely some bad things you can say about, like, the handful of companies becoming these huge game monopolies, the I, I think uh, Microsoft is at least, treat, like, it's not going to make immediate material harm. Like, they treat their work as okay, as far <laughs> as I know. Yeah, and I think, Mike, it's also important in, in terms of, like, the takeover and Bobby Carter to remember, like, so Microsoft aren't necessarily a gaming company. Obviously, the Xbox mm. is like a division in the company. They're in homes. They're in like families. And so all this stuff that like Activision, Blizzard, all this stuff, I, I felt that when the takeover happened that at some point, um, and like I said, the takeover hasn't finished, hasn't completed. But at some point on completion, this stuff has got to be cleared up because Microsoft as a company, they don't, in terms of like the image and everything, they can't have this. They can't have all these like, uh, behaviors and things like that so while they might not necessarily be coming out like pro-union and uh, and things like that i think there is an element of change that is that is coming on the horizon for activision blizzard whether bobby kotick is there or not i felt he wouldn't be there after the after the deal clears but maybe i'm wrong because he's been re-elected i just wanted to point out that last year bobby kotick's bonus was 155 million dollars uh, which was approved by the shareholders. But um, I also really wanted to get um, uh, Billy's take on this as well. Yeah, I think like um, a lot of people are probably just going to be disappointed in like the reaction that like basically there's no, I, I guess, like justice in a way. It feels like people are just going to be showing that, you know, they can get away with things like this and it's okay because they make a lot of money, like as you touched on earlier. And it's just like disappointing for a lot of different communities that like this is going to be, I guess, encouraged in a way from people at the top. You can you can be bad. It's fine because as long as you he, make money, he, yeah. As long as you make us money, it's okay. We won't we won't do anything about it. That's a terrible message. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bad. <laughs> I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's all about the shareholders, isn't it? And if the shareholders are happy, then things t stay the same that same that they are. I'm assuming that the shareholders only got may have gotten unhappy with the with the situation when Activision Blizzard was receiving bad press consistently during like the time that the you know the um the lawsuits and, and legal proceedings were going on and now that's all calmed down uh it's very easy to sweep everything under the rug say everything's yeah, fine now 
Yeah. So unless there's like actual consistent um, media, like just bashing them and saying, listen, you need to you need to book up and, and do better and like more uh, voices from like us, like just just being the consumers and saying we're not happy with this company. We're not happy with the right way that it's run. We're not happy with Kodak being in that role. I don't think anything will change. No, I totally agree with you. Unless there's uh, enough talk, then it will just continue to be swept under the rug. It does feel like that, which is, yeah, which is a, a shame. But yeah, we'll uh, keep some kind of eye on it and, and see how the story develops as the uh, as the takeover proceeds. Um, so in terms of Sony and PlayStation, uh, they also had a showcase. So before, in fact, before Microsoft, uh, and I think technically before the unofficial E3 window, Sony had a a mere thirty minute state of play uh, that gave viewers first looks at uh, Resident Evil Four uh, remake, remaster, remake, remake, and Street Fighter Six plus the new Final Fantasy Sixteen uh, and some PSVR two titles. Even though there is no announcement of PSVR two coming out just yet which i thought was weird um so with playstation's approach um much different than xbox we had short and sharp uh, to the point i watched this no did i watch this live yeah i did i watched some of it live i had to go back and uh, catch the the early bits but i, I like the approach i feel in much in the way that the different platform holders have different approaches for their systems. I felt there's a different approach here taken by Sony in terms of their showcase and, and both can work. So you had Xbox with their, we're just going to show you everything uh, for 90 minutes. And Sony is uh, like, we're going to show you a selection of things for 30 minutes. Uh, so I mentioned Resident Evil, Street Fighter. Uh, we saw uh, Horizon VR game. Uh, we saw the cat game, Stray. Oh, Stray. yeah so excited for that (laughs) yeah i'm very very intrigued and it's also going to be part of the the new playstation plus uh service so uh i mean billy it sounded like that was a standout for you did did you catch the showcase uh, live or or later and what stood out as someone who doesn't even own a playstation um i haven't had a playstation since ps2 but something just just stray just appeals to everything in me i want to be a cat in a big city it just looks incredible (laughs) Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those because what I like about that kind of game is it it's it looks different and especially when you get so many different trailers and and looks in this sort of digital form. Some stuff, at least to me, starts to look samey, especially when you get like sort of sci-fi horror mm. kind of games blend together. And then you see something like Stray or even something like Season, which was also in the showcase. It just stands out. It's like oh. What is this? This looks yeah, interesting. Yeah, season looked really different, which is really like yeah, it's always refreshing to see yeah, just new voices or like seeing something that's just not the same all the time. <laughs> so many games. <laughs> I, I will say that I had a similar fe- like like kind of like vibe with it that there were like four or five games there that just looked carbon copy of each other. They they looked all looked like Dead Space. Like I saw the Callisto Protocol. I'm like, wait, is this Dead Space? Is this de- Dead Space? <laughs> uh, well, because it's from like the I think it's X Dead Space devs, isn't it? Who's working on that? But a lot of them looked very, very samey, like these dark corridors or like futuristic stuff. And this one has robots, and this one has horrible monsters. But it all looks very much the same. There was a lot of space games, yeah, <laughs> or that kind of style. <laughs> that seems to be in right now. 
it definitely in right now. I just I feel like I'm gonna get burnt out on that very quickly because if it's hard to tell the difference between them, there's definitely something wrong there. I also feel like in terms of the presentations as all, we saw a lot of like repeating trailers too. For instance, like yeah. shortened versions or extended versions that were both shared between this PlayStation Showcase and like the Summer Games Fest, and it's like yes. it doesn't really do anything for me because I've already seen it. So yeah, because I mean, I think the Summer Summer Games Fest in particular had a lot of Dark Corridor hallway horror shooters, and then mm -hmm. it had in that was the Callisto Protocol, like an extended version as well. So there's a there's a section in that uh, live stream was like this just blends together but in terms of like what sony showed i, I felt there was a uh, there was a decent mix I, I thought it was quite a strong showing and there were a few things i was quite interested in one actually i didn't even note down but there was um like a roller uh roller dome roller oh man i've forgotten the roller, roller drone yeah. by the, the really people who made uh yeah by roll seven the people who made ollie ollie mm. and yes. ollie ollie wild yeah that looked really interesting and like i said you had like games like stray and season um, you had that uh, Eternites, the sort of dating sim meets action adventure with a anime uh, kind of style on there. So, yeah, and Street Fighter Six, which I'm not necessarily the biggest Street Fighter fan, but was quite intrigued by that by that trailer. I will say that in terms of the question, like, did did the show deliver? I, I base it on what I remember, and I can remember very little about the state of play. Like, nothing mm. really struck me. Like, uh, Stray, yeah, I'm really excited for that. And, like, the Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. Super excited for that. But I can't remember the game that they ended with, which should have been, like, the, the biggest thing, right? Usually it's like, this is the last thing we have. Mm. This is something that you get really excited for. And I can't remember what it was for this. And I remember like seeing an opening to a trailer, which was like one of the PlayStation classics now coming to PC. And I'm like, I got so hyped. I was like, it's a Bloodborne, Bloodborne, finally, come on, Bloodborne. <laughs> and it's Spider-Man. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. And uh, so, I don't know. It was a bit, a bit hit and miss for me. Like super excited for Resident Evil 4 being remade, but everything else, I mean, I've seen Final Fantasy 16 trailers that many times now that I'm just like, I just, I'd just, i rather just play the game. My hype just levels are just decreasing. It. Yeah, it's That's the same fair. thing I, over and over. Yeah. I mean, I get the uh, the Xbox for you. Uh, Tazzy, did, did you catch any of the, the state of play? And what did you feel about like the, this particular format versus the Microsoft show everything? He's not watched the state of play. So I don't really, I don't really think it's fair if i say anything about it because i have yeah, nothing no, to fair. base an opinion on <laughs> honestly for again from my point of view you didn't miss, miss that much like you probably saw it all within the other shows to be fair i don't see my thing is i never watch playstation state of plays because whenever i do i'm always bored so i just stopped bother trying to watch them <laughs> interesting so i think i feel like pulling back the the general summer games fest and the the digital delivery of like these presentations so i i thought this particular presentation uh, i thought it was a decent showing but i feel it goes to the larger point that um i think mia was making earlier of the virtual versus the in-person and i it did like overall it did make me miss like a a more concentrated period of time like an e3 where you know what to focus on and there's some 
because I, I, after a certain point, there's only I feel there's only so many trailers you can watch without just I just want to play something. Whereas mm. something like an E3 when it was done well, just I don't even know what it is. It's just just something about that period of time. Just it it meant more. Like it felt more tangible or something i don't know what it is but the, the virtual one i'm not necessarily a fan overall even though i like sort of different bits of why i saw not necessarily a fan of the virtual over the physical because the other thing for me uh, and i've said this on previous podcasts is where i find that the whole summer games first summer of games uh, whatever it's it's almost there's an element of gamers talking to gamers which is fine but in terms of like gaming reaching out, I felt E3 was something. There's at least this one period of in the calendar where I'd see E3 reports on BBC and I'd see like, oh, games is a le- legitimate thing on mm. mainstream TV. And I feel that's important. Whereas the Summer Games Fest in particular just feels like very, very targeted to the, the people that care. So if you are a PlayStation fan, you're going to watch, you're going to get your 30 minutes. If you're an Xbox fan, you're going to get your your 90 minutes of everything but outside of that like like when i do a workshop with like kids just you know just average kids who might be into gaming but they're not necessarily checking this this isn't isn't this isn't in their calendar like yeah, yeah. I feel like something is missing definitely because like even i was explaining to my mum about gaming events and i was like oh yeah because like e3 is kind of kind of dying it's kind of Kind of don't know if it's going to make it. It's on life support at the moment. And um, she's like, oh, E3, I know that one. That's like the bit, the big one, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Whereas like I like, had mentioned like Gamescom and EGX and she's like, what are those? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like my mom's super supportive and, and she tries to be really interested. But E3 is the one that like she's heard of. She knows that, like she knows it by name. But I think one of the other big things that's missing is like that, not just getting to see people at E3 and like that helps obviously build up atmosphere and hype, but actually hearing their response to seeing stuff in person mm. and getting to ask all those questions and and getting to see all the stuff and getting like a hands-on experience and stuff and then being able to hear their accounts. Whereas I, you don't really get that with this or like everyone's just kind of seeing the same thing and you don't get to you don't get to learn from like someone that's watching from a different perspective because it's everyone's kind of got the same experience. view yeah exactly exactly that yeah i guess if there's a if that you know if you have a physical event then you're more than likely to actually have demos out there because they need they need to do something whilst they're wandering mm. around you know um and that creates yeah like you have more different uh, more maybe more personal takes on even though you don't necessarily get to get you know you don't necessarily get to play the games yourselves but it feels more yeah kind of real because you have these uh reportings from people whom you've you know maybe read about before or read, read of before and now they get to give their perspective on something that you haven't seen or like you've only seen one side of and they get to give a very different thing yeah. um, and that's that gives it a more full image maybe rather than and because you're used to that it, this more full image rather than just like this virtual where there's only the the marketing it's like the difference between marketing and reporting right? yeah exactly mm-hmm. and i think even like interviews and stuff are way more controlled when it's done in this format because you don't get the sort of in-person interviews where 
people can get caught off guard a bit <laughs> and not not be so rehearsed. And even though they still would have some form of rehearsed, like it would be thought about. It's way easier for for an interviewer to like, you know, like have lower defenses and be able to sort of get get a bit more out of it when interviewing in person. You just reminded me actually one thing I miss about not having you through an in-person like the crowd there too is like you I, I, there's a lot less cringe now everything's kind of like by the book <laughs> and presented but I, yeah. I lived uh, for those moments where like every dev was having a, like a mini breakdown on the stage <laughs> and you could see it and like some some presenters would be really cool and really cute and you'd be like oh my god I'm in love with you like um oh oh I can't remember her name but it, I think it was the Japanese dev who worked on like Ghostwire Tokyo um, before she left the project but she was like so bubbly and so alive and that's those kind of moments there you only get those like at a three at a stage in front of people like even the, the keanu reeves situation when he yeah. came out yeah and had that whole interaction with the audience like that was so epic and 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 cool and like you just don't get missing that. because now it feels very you know by the books here's this presentation it's it's i don't want to say too corporate but like it's it's just not I was thinking the same way. It's way too like polished and controlled. That's the problem. We want like we chaos. want raw. We want real. <laughs> exactly. We want chaos. <laughs> we want that like real authentic human feel to it that it just doesn't mm. have. Like it might as well just human be done by robots. That's what we need. <laughs> mm. Yeah. There you go. That is that is it. That's what I was trying to explain. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for that. So um, I, before we move on, I just want to, because we mentioned Starfield before being delayed and the never-ending series of game delays. So you, Sony have uh, a big title in the works, God of War, Ragnarok. Anyone feel like this is going to be delayed into next year? Probably. I mean, I, unless they've confirmed the date, I would say, like, uh, we're seeing a lot of the fallout, fallout of what, what's been happening over the last couple of years. And maybe that's why these the shows also were, were as, you know, middling as they were, because of, like, the amount of, like people working from home and just not being able to to be a part of the industry that you the way that they were in, in previous years so i would i would i feel i think it's likely that it likely get delayed because they haven't like said okay it's coming out here here's a bunch of trailers for it i would have thought at this point they'd be like hyping up yeah unfortunately i tend to agree with you so uh, I was looking for some hope there, but no, no. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, I've already said um, you can, uh, I'll give you a blank check, write down the number, uh, whatever it is, uh, I'm getting this game. Now the money might not be there, whatever number you write down, but uh, you can, that is how much I'm anticipating this game. But yeah, I feel like this is going to be, mm, I feel this is going to be pushed back. I just feel like everything, everything is going to be delayed. However, I've seen some rumors of a state of play focused on God of War. So we'll see i want to i wanted to jump to nintendo but i also as i was putting these notes together i was trying to find something on nintendo and i struggled so i've got some general stories that i do want to get to before we and there's a few interesting ones i want to get people's thoughts on but uh what i did manage to see on nintendo because they have not they've not done much have they unless i've missed something have i missed something or have nintendo just no, been they, they they left themselves out they had like a very small thing i think a several weeks back a couple months ago maybe but that was like their partnered games yeah there's been nothing during the summer games fest or any of that stuff yeah, there's a new uh nintendo direct mini partner showcase uh, tomorrow uh june 28th but yeah again it's just 25 minutes on info on upcoming third-party nintendo switch games 
Um, so I guess, yeah, like the, um, there's not a lot of first party stuff at the moment. I guess that's Nintendo. They, they work to their own, their own timeline. So yeah, we'll, uh, uh, we'll see what they come up with. But uh, I guess what I did want to note is the, the general success of the Nintendo Switch, which has sold 107 million or 107.65. Let me not uh, shortchange them. 107.65 million units. So this is a story from Nintendo Life that shows the combined Nintendo Switch, Nintendo Switch Lite, Nintendo Switch OLED model, selling a uh, combined 107.65 million units, moving it closer to the next one up, which is the PlayStation 4 in terms of like all-time best-selling consoles. Uh, this is despite Nintendo reporting that sales of the Switch has decreased uh, 20% year-on-year due to the shortages of semiconductor components uh, and other parts, which by now I feel like uh, we're all familiar with. But why did want to? Uh, one one question I did want to ask the the panel. So the Switch, I think by now we can call this a very successful console for Nintendo, especially coming off the Wii U. What I'm interested to know is, does the success of the Switch put Nintendo in a corner for their next console? And I don't mean the the next stage of the the Switch, the upgraded Switch uh, console. I mean, whatever Nintendo do next, like, uh, can they move away from this model? Because I feel like the Switch has become so successful, kind of, that format in particular, we just associate that with Nintendo games now. Do you think Nintendo are painting themselves into a corner? I think yes, but like me personally, if they started to go on a route that wasn't all about handheld and having that experience, I would probably be very disappointed because that's where I go to get those sort of games, to get that experience. That's like my go-to. I'm not going to be anywhere else for that. So it'd be really I guess for me, terrible if they were like, well, console only now, like this is, you know, you have to have this thing and it, you can't take it around with you. I, I don't know. The Switch just gives me such nostalgia for like Nintendo DS days and just kind of being a kid and I don't ever want to let that go. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what, what it feels like for me. I'm going to, I'm going to say no, because it's Nintendo um, and painting themselves <laughs> into a corner is not something that Nintendo do. They're like, we have this idea and we're going to make it happen. Um, <laughs> and I feel like Fair. they're not the kind of company that's like, we've got this blueprint and we're going to stick with it. It's kind of not their track record. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for their next console, which will be their fully AR integrated uh, walking around simulator. <laughs> yeah, it'll be something weird and wacky. And honestly, with Nintendo's track record of like a good console, bad console, good console, bad console, <laughs> I fully expect it to fail, but I will buy it anyway. anyway yeah. That's what I do with Nintendo. So. And also I'm here for Nintendo's innovation. Like yeah. they are the they are the company that is willing to take the risk. So I feel like we should reward them for their their are uh, the trends that are right. I mean yeah. look what they did with the Wii and then everybody copied them and the uh, same these with uh, the Switch. Now the, the the Steam Deck is out and that's a you know may as well be a blatant copy of the Switch. Switch yeah. Yeah, they, they, they set the trend. Good. So you can see a time where Nintendo don't make Switch consoles. Oh, definitely. Just, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine I, I imagine there would have to be some kind of handheld element to it, whether it would, I don't think it would look the same as what we currently have, though. Yeah. 
Does anyone remember the PlayStation iToy um, or anything yeah. like that? Like, I feel like there's like a massive gap in that market. So I literally saying. had this conversation the other day. Actually, I've had this same conversation a few times. I completely agree. I'm like, what? Where did that go? And also because like the Connect obviously just kind of like. It was not the same. I'm sorry. It wasn't it the wasn't. same, but it, it, the, the Connect 2 had so much potential and then it just got, it was just, it was just marketed badly, man. It kind of like dug its own grave when it didn't need to. But there's definitely like, there's definitely a hole. Now I've just had this sort of intense flashback to playing the iToy in this window washing game. Yes, and the <laughs> window washing game. <laughs> that was what I was thinking of. <laughs> and the bubble game. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the thing with like the iToy and the um the Connect specifically is I don't know, like I mean, how many of us really wants to like video game not on the couch? Me. I still play my uh Connect one. And then I, I I like a lot of like movement switch games, and I'm like they don't they don't utilize the motion controls enough. And then like one of the reasons why I really want VR is like for things that move. Yeah, that's I think that's that's good. I, I tend to agree with with Brendan. I, I feel most people it is like a, I know we spoke about Nintendo, but sort of to bring in VR in terms of like uh, ways you interact with your console. I feel most people this is the the challenge that vr has for me is that most people just want to sit and and just lean back kind of experience rather than get up and or like lean forward for for games so maybe game companies are for better or for worse kind of taking that lead and just okay we'll not invest as much in these other experiences unless you're nintendo and it's just like we do different things for the sake of doing different things and we're going to keep that hope alive when it comes to innovation, Nintendo's definitely the one to go for. I'm, in terms of like VR and stuff, I'm waiting for a company, I, even though I have like an index, I barely use it, but I'm waiting for a company to like combine the like Kinect setup with like a VR headset so you can literally just have like towers in a room and no controllers and all you have to do is put on the headset. That would be so cool. And then just use your body as the controller. Like put those two ideas together. That that would be ideal. That would be epic. Yes. There you go. We're just handing out ideas. If so, anyone listening, make we'll that happen. We'll send an invoice. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> that's your next console. Let's go. That's, that's, <laughs> that consulting gig is lined up for you there. All right. So before we wrap on the round table, I did want to touch on one story in particular. Uh, if we have time, we can touch on this other one. But uh, it's a recent story and it is PlayStation, Microsoft, Epic, Unity and others form a metaverse standards forum so this is a story that uh, i saw on gamesindustry.biz by james bachelor and i quote uh, the article several major games and technology firms have come together to form the metaverse standards forum a new group dedicated to setting standards for this growing space members of the metaverse standards forum will cooperate on defining interoperability standards needed to build the open metaverse the group said in a statement it added it's open to any organization at no cost. The forum will focus on pragmatic action-based projects such as implementation, prototyping, hackathons, plug fests, and open source tooling to accelerate the testing and adoption of metaverse standards while also developing consistent terminology and deployment guidelines. Not in the group, at least as of recording, are Apple, not really surprising, Roblox, 
actually surprising and Niantic as well. So I don't know what the feelings are on the metaverse. I I have feelings. Uh, I think at least at the moment it is a bunch of hype. Uh, I put my name on that statement. Um, anyone who thinks they know what the metaverse is is trying to sell you something. I can tell you what the metaverse is. Go on. Disappointment. Why? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. As- as soon as I heard that they were like selling plots of land in the metaverse for like real world money or like cryptocurrency, I was like, really? You have unlimited space in the metaverse and we're bringing over one of the worst parts of the real world into it? <laughs> you know it's going to exist though. It's just going to be capitalism at its height. As yeah. much as I want a like idealistic metaverse where it's like just gets rid of sort of like all issues (laughs) because really like really like have just virtual space means that just so many things that exist in the real world shouldn't but Mm -hmm. capitalism (laughs) yeah i mean have you seen ready player one because i feel like oh yeah we did a whole episode on it yeah it should be the version of the oasis from ready player one where you're just free to do anything but i feel like it's going to be the bad version that it was going to become yes, in ready because player this is one. ioi running the metaverse. yes this is ioi running the metaverse <laughs> and even the like the oasis not without ioi running it still it's very, uh, very i literally just used the word <laughs> my brain just uh, yeah that's what thank you so much (laughs) it's still very capitalist but getting into it is like quite fair and open yeah i mean so i like i said i'm very skeptical uh, on the metaverse currently as it as things currently stand that's not to say in some future there is something that can be made from this and i feel this is an important step because even though this (laughs) uh, impossible dream of getting this uh this ready player one version where i feel like i feel like the only person in our world who can make this happen is someone like steve wozniak who has the ability or even like close to the ability and is the type of person that would do something for the benefit of others or at least have that Mm -hmm. as a major consideration don't know if anyone else uh, exists who could do that otherwise you're dealing with companies as we have yeah so also i want i want you now not the oasis you has become oh yeah ultimate. yeah go check our bill episode <laughs> <laughs> uh, for that discussion yeah you is pretty cool too actually so yeah and i feel this is a for whatever the metaverse will become this is an important step because you need that interoperability between because everyone's going to have their own space within the metaverse or there'll be different metaverses and they'll have to operate so this is an important step to whatever Mm. it will become what's interesting is that roblox who are you know along with fortnite are the closest to a metaverse aren't in this that's why i think like roblox in particular aren't in it because they kind of already have the metaverse the metaverse exists it's called roblox Roblox, (laughs) and if you want to know what a disaster it's going to be in terms of monetization and capitalism again roblox is the example like <laughs> the microtransactions. oh my god and that is and probably then you bring what we in nfts and yeah. blockchains we're not even gonna touch on that we might have to do a different discussion on uh, yeah. on that and attach There's a, a lot of roblox scams as well so i can see that coming too yeah i feel like we're in one big like black mirror episode and we just don't know it yet 
my god! I, I think we we do know it. It's just we still can't <laughs> escape from it. That's maybe the issue. Yeah, that's the thing. We we know it's that's there, <laughs> but we're looking for the the escape, and we're like, where is where is the fire exit? Where are they? Didn't they didn't build one. They didn't build one. <laughs> yeah. It's like a more dis it's a more disappointing version of Black Mirror. Like Black Mirror had cool stuff and you could actually <laughs> get into it and maybe it was like used for weird things sometimes and it got dark, but I feel like this is just the darkness. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah, the it's it's very banal darkness as well, you know, like kind of a lot of the metaverse stuff, like especially the stuff that Facebook slash meta sort of shows off. It's sort of like, look, don't you want to work virtually? And then it's like, why would working in a VR headset be easier than working outside of a VR headset. <laughs> like, why Why do you think this is a good idea? Um, and I mean, I, I understand that like people, especially the big companies, want to make... Uh, like, I, I, I found this, the, the Metaverse stands for really interesting and actually a little bit surprising because it's it, it feels like people have been really trying to make their own quote-unquote metaverse and trying to be like, no, this is our platform, use us. And like, I guess they're kind of realizing that, oh, maybe we should just share the knowledge and kind of work together. But I mean, it's still, I don't know. Uh, like, I think if to, to sort of uh, vaguely plug someone else's content, there's like, uh, a, the, there's a very good, um, there's some good documentarians called People Make Games that you can find on YouTube. And they very recently did a metaverse episode that I can okay. definitely recommend where they looked specifically at VR chat uh, and kind of, yeah, like kind of explored this idea of having this open space where people can do anything and sort of be virtually there. Uh, turns out it is simultaneously like good in the sense of like people can make their own space, people can can try to search for that connection that maybe they haven't been able to find because of the pandemic and so on and so forth mm -hmm. online. But also like, yeah, I, I think um, he said like the second kind of person that he met was someone who was spouting <laughs> like racism. And it's sort of just like, yeah, like it, it's the when you're able to do anything and everything then obviously and there's no moderation and all of these the all of these issues appear right and then you gotta try where is the community that you actually are interested in because it's the same as like going into a big city and just talking to strangers it's i don't know like it's it's kind of like the concept is interesting but i think all of these things that people are trying to sell working at the metaverse which is like wow i'd love to get fired by jim but he's wearing that <laughs> yeah. iron man suit that he bought you know online that iron man avatar like mm, i don't think this is a good idea i think you just uh you're 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 you have this solution and you're searching for problems to solve mm -hmm. yeah and yeah, if anything just creating them like i feel like <laughs> working in the metaverse is just asking for like <sighs> It's just asking to take advantage of people. Like, you know that's going to be used for people to, like, people will be working overtime. If you're, like, I know, I know at least for me and, like, probably for others here that work from home and work as self-employed and content creators and things, it's very easy when you're, you're at home to just carry on working. And then when all of your stuff, like, for me, it's, like, Discorders, both used for work and and fun and sometimes i don't switch off because i'm just on the same platform 
And so, like, I feel like the metaverse and just, like, being in VR, especially in that, just, like, right, like, really pumps it up to a whole other level of, like, there being no boundaries. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there needs to be a focus on on things being put in place to ensure that people have, like, work-life balance and avoiding burnout, but, like, so many problems mm-hmm. that already exist, like, right now with just content content creators in general like we deal with all that stuff like i like you just said it's incredibly hard to switch off sometimes especially when you're like working in that environment consistently i will say though since brendan mentioned the iron man thing all i can see in my head now is like some guy walking into work and your boss is just shrek for some reason <laughs> it's gonna happen yes. oh my god just oh my imagine god. needing to deal with like so you know how's just needing to deal with the most boring work chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of just like the other guy looks like Shrek, and then and you can't like he's just so deeply tired of everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be chaos. I, I, I do feel the it's interesting. It's 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 obviously very new and and not very like formed, which hence this standards group. But I just feel like the intent behind those pushing it will shape what it is. And maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic, but yeah, I feel the the intent might be wrong from the start. Mm, definitely. Considering they're like all IOI companies. Yeah, <laughs> like multiple IOI <laughs> companies started, coming started, together. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what's worse than having one IOI is conflicting IOIs. We're trying to battle for the top and then treading on yeah. everyone else. So, Even though they've said like, oh yeah, it's free for anyone to join. It's like, yeah, but it's like the Billy's running the school, right? <laughs> the first hit is always free. Free, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on in. The weather's always fine. All right, so the last story I wanted to end on, I wanted to do this quickly because, uh, apologies, Tazzy, I'm going to talk sports uh, for all, but I'm going to bring it around to a point about the games industry. So it's a story about FIFA and EA splitting. So I I don't actually play I haven't played FIFA probably in ages, but I'm a football fan, so this is an interesting story for me. So EA Sports and FIFA are parting ways after almost 30 years of collaboration. So it's a game that is played by 35 million people. 325 million copies of the game has been sold since it was launched in 1993. Interestingly, this is because of the nature of the game, a story that was picked up by uh, sort of sports websites and just various websites outside of games. So uh, this is a story via the conversation that mentions or that talks about EA openly acknowledges its dependency on the series. So a 2022 regulatory document stated that their 5.6 billion in revenue was primarily driven by FIFA 21 and FIFA 20. So this is a powerhouse relationship and it's just gone sour uh, very quickly or feels like to me very quickly as usual it comes down to money i feel uh or i think fifa wanted to double its usual license fee from the 500 million every four years to 1 billion and so yeah uh, apparently uh, ea wasn't having that so ea will now release a new brand of uh fo- i was going to say soccer because i was in the story but i just can't do that football uh video game ea sports fc in 2023 <laughs> and the bit that makes me laugh is FIFA are outlining plans to introduce its own set of digital games. So FIFA president uh, Gianni Infantino um, <laughs> said, I can assure you that the only authentic real game that has the FIFA name will be the best one available for gamers and football fans. So 
whether you play FIFA or not, I feel this is a big story because this is, uh, I mentioned earlier about like the the size of the video games industry. I feel this is another piece of evidence about the growing importance of video games and financial power uh, and popularity about video games today. Does anyone here play FIFA and is, or uh, if you, even if you don't, are you aware of the story and what do you think it means for the way video games are seen outside of the video games industry? Uh, that's a sports ball thing, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I'd ask the question. I, I, I will not generalize. I'll, I'll ask the question, but I don't play it. <laughs> no, I'm not really like a sports game person, but I'm I'm incredibly happy to hear that they've parted ways. Uh, just because uh, maybe now the next FIFA game won't be filled with uh, predatory monetization tactics that target kids. So uh, yeah, I remember I used to work at a video game store. And it's literally like one of the things that that pretty much started the loot box craze, like the the ultimate team. Like we used to sell so many Xbox points back when it was points back in the day, just kids coming in wanting points for for ultimate team. And like, I, I don't know, it always, it always felt weird. It always felt like odd to me. And um, I know that EA has received a lot of flack over the years for, you know, pushing like loot boxes in games and pushing because that's essentially what ultimate team right you get packs of cards and then you build your team based on that like i feel like a lot of the tactics and and that they've had have been extremely predatory and honestly the way that ea has treated its licensed video games in terms of like it's the same story with like star wars right i'm not sad about seeing seeing them lose it i love your optimism i <laughs> don't think it's gonna change that and i 100 think don't think fifa will make a game that is good good <laughs> yes. i think they're just gonna make a clone yeah, <laughs> and it's gonna and i don't i don't think either ea or fifa are benefiting from them splitting no. i think no. i don't i don't know what they're thinking in this i understand why fifa asked for more money yeah i think that makes sense yeah i feel like whoever was doing negotiation on both sides wasn't doing very well and they just kind of like both sides kind of just dropped and was like fine i won't work with you fine <laughs> we won't, we don't want to work with you anyway and like, I don't, I want to put this out there. I do not play FIFA anymore. I used to be a big FIFA fan. I used to work for people's bum bums in <laughs> FIFA. But that was like way back in the day. And that was way, that was like before you really had, I think the last one I kind of played and not really was like FIFA 10. I think it was just as they were introducing Ultimate teams and stuff. But yeah, I, I just find, I find this hilarious and I'm, since I don't care about FIFA, I'm just here to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, me too as well, actually. And, and I say again, I'm, I'm a massive football fan, but I just I got FIFA because it just became the same game. And uh, my in terms of like video game playing, my taste changed. But I'm interested to, and I'm also interested to see what FIFA do, because as well as this being a story for me about just the financial power of video games, <laughs> there's also an element of people outside of games thinking they can it's easy to make a game so there's a great video that i watched uh, about a story from uh, tifo football so i'll put this in the show notes it's about how fifa and ea sports split so it goes into detail and it's it's a great breakdown 
And when it got to the point about the FIFA president saying that, you know, the only authentic real game with the FIFA name will be R1 and, and blah, 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 blah. I, I laughed because <laughs> I'm like, you are, if you think just the FIFA name will make a good video game, you mm-hmm. are like so badly mistaken. And yeah. I feel, again, as games continues to grow and people sort of outside of games want to get involved, which is a good thing. So I'm not saying it's not a, a good thing that uh, people outside of sort of traditional game making want to make games, but there's there's an element of needing to understand like it's hard to make games. Like I, yes. I used to be a software engineer. I'm not uh, not in games, but I understand the process. We've got uh, Brendan here who is a developer, a games developer. It's hard to make games. You can't just come in and just like, we'll just slap a name on it and people, and especially with like gaming audiences, which are mm. very smart. They know, they can know a good game from a bad game. And a name is just not gonna not gonna fool anyone. So it's I'm so I'm just sitting naive. back with popcorn. That's the it's word. So naive. naive. Like because as well, I feel I'd like say. if FIFA if FIFA actually somehow pulled off a good game, like they teamed up with actual game developers. Yeah, which I have no confidence <laughs> that they would. Like, and not even like, obviously not just actual game developers, but experienced game developers, because you're you're handling a big name here, like within the gaming space. Mm. So like people will expect a very, they will expect a, a level of game yeah. here. What EA have, even if they're not being called FIFA, is that they can really easily entice their customers in. Even if like, I feel like it, the the name change will trip a lot of people up, especially like people that only play FIFA and that's their whole experience of gaming and i feel like fifa does actually cover a lot of those that type of gamer is that they can be like they can advertise it very well and like they they've got the ability to market that this is Mm. still fifa this is the this is the football game you want to play that is the thing though isn't it like so for your casual gamer they're not going to be necessarily aware that ea is lost you know, like FIFA in general, unless you're you're at an actual gamer, like reading up on the gaming sites and like news like this, your average person who's coming in buying like Call of Duty and, and FIFA and stuff, they're, they're just going to look at the FIFA box and think, oh, it's FIFA, I'm just going to buy it. Mm. But as soon as that game's bad, they'll just stop buying it. Yeah. And as well, like, I feel like as well, so EA's on, on Game Pass, so that's an advantage that they have over FIFA, owning FIFA, is it like they'll just be like, well, we're putting EA Sports FC on Game Pass for the start of it, get people used to buying EA Sports FC. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they really need to come up with a better name that can be shortened well. <laughs> that is uh, such an off brand name. Because um, Sports FC is not going to cut it. <laughs> I'm actually going to ask this question in future workshops of kids if, if they know that FIFA is and EA are splitting I'm gonna I'm generally interested about like the just average audience I also like what I don't so I don't know like any of the sort of like politics and and licensing like so will they still have team names like what how does that work so a lot of the major um football leagues like Premier League and Spanish League uh Field of German League as well have have backed what EA are doing okay so they've Ooh. kind of given support. I don't know if that means exclusive support because they're still they come under yeah. the jurisdiction of FIFA, FIFA as well. Yeah. But so, but they have there has been some outpouring of support into in terms of so EA's future. Gonna games. Have, they're still going to have all the the players. They're going to have all the 
Like it's just going to be a new name, and in the same game, they have the they have the market and budget and capability to market so, the game. And like, I'm sorry, FIFA, but I don't know if you have enough experience in the games industry to really <laughs> make. <laughs> but I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see. I'm I'm here for the attempt, and Me I'm too. here for the idea that like there is going to be a challenge. Mm. The competition, like the fact that there is competition is good, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is a positive, I guess. Maybe it will like encourage more competition. Like I feel like this 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 does create a weak spot for if like if you're if you're wanting to try and make a big football game, mm. now is now's your point. Time. Now is your <laughs> chance. Because it will never happen again. Like <laughs> there is <Stop. laughs> there is a weak spot in the armor and this is your chance if you miss at one it, point in the odd. death star it just it yeah. just revealed itself so mm. what concerns me is what does ea have now that that's big of a draw i mean they have like just dance the sims like i can't really think of any like tentpole um, ea games that are like yeah well just dance is, is ubisoft isn't it yeah oh just dance yeah see yeah, I, so even i got that, that wrong we it's just like, took one away just... <laughs> took one away there's less Sims, Star Wars, Battlefront. I don't have. I don't but have then they Star don't Wars have Star Wars because everyone they lost that license. Has, yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. You know. I'm not thinking that. What does EA what make? You... I, I'm racking my brain. They make here. a lot. This is a, they. Well, they publish a lot. I feel like there's like more sports games, isn't there? Like um, yeah, there is like Madden yeah. or something. Oh yeah, they have yeah Madden. That's a more that's a massive games. one. Yeah, that's maybe they I don't need know to. What they make. They need a few more. They're going to need a few more. Oh, yeah. Apex Legends is... Is that EA? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then some free-to-play stuff. And F1 as well, which is... Oh, yeah. Can be quite popular. They actually have a, have a few things. <laughs> They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're really pouring a lot into Sims at the moment as well. I feel like they're doing... Yeah, the they're Sims doing a lot. The Sims 5 is going to come out soon. Or, you know, soon. TM. All right, so if we learn anything, it's that EA will probably survive. So, all right. So, yeah, I thought I'd leave the, the sports ball one uh, to the end. That has been our Summer of Games roundtable. As always, you can let us know your thoughts, your feedback on the roundtable and the stories discussed. We are available in our Discord or classic email feedback at mymatter com. So before we wrap up this episode, let's just check in with our guests and see what they are up to so we like to hear from our guests hear what any hear if they've got any interesting projects coming up and any latest news they want to tell us about so maya let's let's hear from you first yeah sure um so you can find me streaming over at twitch.tv forward slash uh um essentially i'm just going to be playing the usual stuff there at the moment there's not a lot out right now that i'm super looking forward to so we've uh, just kicked off um a playthrough of final Fantasy 7 integrate all the bonus content on there still doing minecraft still doing some like collab stuff with other vtubers i'm being a little bit more active on tiktok now so you can check me out on tiktok same username meabyte and um, i'm also the live content producer over a gaming magazine where we do shows every single week uh, we have our let's go gaming show every week which is a charity fundraising show where i just hang out with uh, queer creators just playing a 
so many different games. Uh, this week we're doing Sea of Thieves, and um, every two weeks we have the podcast on a Sunday. So that's over at twitch.tv forward slash gaming mag, but that is G-A-Y-M-I-N-G-M-A-G. Because, you know, it's it's queer, it's fun, it's kooky, it's great. Definitely check all that out. Uh, I'm trying to jump into the Sea of Thieves again as well, so maybe I'll have to come by and, and watch some watch some Sea of Thieves stuff and get some tips. <laughs> and then we will uh, hear from Billy as well. What, what have you got? Um, so I've got a really, I guess, exciting um, week, couple of months as well. Um, so on Wednesdays, um, I am in a and uh, d game called Session Zero. Um, it's like an episodic game that we play. So you can jump in any week and the story will be completely different, but the same characters. Um, it's really, really fun. I play uh, with some amazing uh, other creators and we actually do a live show on stage as well, um, which hopefully we should be bringing back to Insomnia Gaming Festival if you're going. But other than that, I'm actually relaunching my Twitch soon because I took a little break because I um, unfortunately got COVID. So I was like, well, I might as well do a lot of uh, updates. So twitch.tv slash Billytrix for um, yeah, a ton of new games we're going to be playing. Um, and I'm going to be having lots of people come on and uh, chat with me as well. Um, so I'm just really excited. Love that. The um, pictures of the live show for your D&D looked amazing. I'm so gutted I missed that insomnia, but hopefully I'll be on the next one and yeah, you'll be doing it do. the next one so that I can catch it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, links will be in the show notes and we'll also hear from Brendan. I'm not a content creator, so don't follow me. Don't perceive me. Um, but I <laughs> I'm on Twitter if you for some reason really want to uh, want to do so uh, at Brendan Gibbons. Um, you can play my games. The last ones that are released um, most recently came out: Minute of Islands and Say No More. I wrote those um, or helped wrote those. Um, and I there is a game coming out of the TV show I Use Smarter Than a Fifth Grader that I very recently worked on that is going to come out this year. And I also do tabletop RPG work, and I'm helping out in the Blades of the Dark Dagger Isles expansion. Um, so when that comes out, I wrote a little bit of a setting for it. Um, if you play RPGs, play um, tabletop RPGs, Place of the Duck is really good. And I hopefully bringing some like Southeast Asian flavors to Place of the Duck has been really fun. Uh, and yeah, I hope people enjoy when it comes out. That sounds great. Love to hear it. So again, we'll put some links in the show notes and go check everyone out. Make sure you do because they're all doing some really amazing stuff. Uh, and we want to support them so they keep on doing some really amazing stuff <laughs> yeah thank you all for coming and sharing your thoughts your views on our roundtable for the summer of games if you enjoyed this episode and hopefully you did because you're listening at this point like way way in uh, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a future episode and you can go back and check out all the past ones uh, also give us a rating give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever they let you rate and review. This helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. Uh, so we talked more video games, but we also make manga. And our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog, is out at the moment. And we've got plans in the works for more manga in 2022. So you can check out our universe of manga stories at mayamada.com forward slash manga. Uh, and you can join the Studio 77 Discord uh, and consider becoming a member for exclusive access to 
gamepad events and other content from the Maya Matter universe. We've got a bunch of events coming up uh, over the summer at conventions, uh, plus our own event. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. And yeah, stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions like this, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. Uh, you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. And our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, stay tuned, stay safe. Uh, and remember that the only authentic real podcast that has the Story X Story name will be the best one available for podcast listeners and story fans. Uh, take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.